0: As we were praying this week, and as we've been seeing what's going on in our nation, as we've been watching um, the, the pain that's happening throughout parts of the United States, thank you, God, that it's not happening all over, but it is happening. And we're seeing um, this, this um, well, explosion of, of racial tension. And we're seeing some horrific things being done. And, um, and we, as the church, as the body of Christ, we are. Ministers of reconciliation. Jesus Christ came and reconciled man back to God and then us one to another. So when we're baptized into Christ, then then the scriptures say, do you not know that you are ministers of reconciliation? As though Christ were in you saying, be reconciled with God. And we know that in Christ there is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, circumcised nor uncircumcised. Um, But we are all one in Christ. And the enemy, from the beginning of time, has been trying to separate people. He comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. So if you see things being killed, stolen, or destroyed, that is the work of the devil. And Jesus came and said that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And if we're about Christ's ministries, we're called to do the same thing. And so I want us to walk through that today. And what we're going to do today is we're going to pray. We're going to pray today. So our response, first and foremost, is that we're going to pray. So um, I want to begin with that that place. What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to intercede? And so let's just start with the best uh, intercession uh, prayer guy of them all, Jesus Christ. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And Jesus was praying while giving his life as intercession. You catch that? Jesus is on the cross reconciling mankind back to God. And while we're crucifying him, because you know that we have all crucified Christ, he died once for all. That means all. That means us. That means we. And we all together have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there was a cost that had to be paid in order for justice to be done so that we could be reconciled to a holy and loving and a just God who didn't just, he didn't. He didn't simply lower the standards so that we could be reconciled, but rather he fulfilled the fullness of restoration of relationship. Do you guys know what justice, what the, what the fullness of justice is actually created to do? It's to bring restoration to relationship. In Christ, we saw what justice actually is. Justice was Christ dying on our behalf so that we could be reconciled back to God. And then after that, that we could be reconciled one to another. It's amazing, isn't it? That's an amazing picture. Now, oftentimes in our day and age, when we hear words about justice, it's significantly lower the expectation of what that is. Oftentimes when people talk about justice, they talk about fairness on a very one-dimensional level. Oftentimes we hear that. But, but God did not lower justice to a one-dimensional level. He said all things are reconciled in Christ Jesus. And then he himself paid the price so that we can use words like justice. But may we not use them in any less of a significant way than seeing Christ on the cross. And and further than that, seeing him praying for us, praying for the very ones who are persecuting him, praying for the very ones who were putting him on the cross. And indeed, we did that too, saying, God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we know Stephen, he prayed the same prayer when he was being stoned, the the second martyr after Christ. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so we're called to stand in the same gap. But I want you to catch something. Jesus is actually on the cross bearing the iniquities of us while he's praying that God would forgive us. He didn't separate himself from the problem and say, yeah, you know, those people over there, God, help them. I just really feel bad for them. No, he came and actually bore the cross and while bearing the sin, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that in his death and resurrection, we could become born again and be born again without a sin nature. So you see the fullness of what Christ was willing to do in his intercession. Are you guys with me? All right, let's continue. Chronicles 7.14, we get a picture of the kinds of prayers that are prayed, from those of us when we're humbling ourselves on a national level to say, God, or, or on, on any level, it could be national, this happens to be a national level, this is God speaking to Jerusalem, speaking to Israel, so when we're praying on a national level, or even for an individual there's a certain posture that happens if we're to truly be inter if we're to truly intercede if we're to be truly intercessors like what we just saw Christ do there's a there's a language there's a posture that we come with and and it's summarized in, and I'm going I'm going to point this out to you but let's begin with Chronicles 7:14 it says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, the unique qualifier here is that God says, if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, not if those other people will, will humble themselves, not if those guys that are screwing everything up will go humble themselves, no, if my people so anyone in this room that would identify themselves as God's people, that means us. And that's everybody here. You're here because you, you do identify. I'm, I'm God's people. I'm with him. And so that means us. So that's the number one thing is that when we're going to intercede, we have to recognize if I'm his people, then I'm the one he's talking to when he says pray. When he says pray. But then he says you've got to humble yourself. There's something about humbling yourself that qualifies. it, And I would say that's key because we just prayed the Lord's prayer. Father. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. There's always an immediate humility where we identify with Christ. In the same way, Christ identified with us by becoming sin. And you know what? He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that. Did Christ deserve to die? Anyone? Absolutely not. Yet he came, wrapped a towel around himself, and washed our feet and said, do likewise. It says that Christ didn't consider it robbery who, being, very, very, being equal with God, became a servant, washed our feet, and died on the cross. He is the picture of intercession. We're called to do the same thing. So, we're His people, and we're called to pray. We know that Christ constantly prayed, and in fact, in death, His final action was Father, forgive all of us because we don't even know what we're doing. We're ignorant. Come on, we all started ignorant. And Christ said, Yeah, but I love, <laughs> but they're my, they're my little ignorance. And I love them. I love them dearly and I'm going to give them the mind of Christ. So it starts with us. Daniel is another beautiful example. Again, if we're going to intercede, then we need to understand this. And this is key. Daniel is getting ready and he's going to pray because he just found out. Now let me tell you something about the prophet Daniel. The prophet Daniel, all of his people were pillaged and overrun by another nation. And Daniel and his three best buddies were taken into captivity and forced to become slaves. Everyone has been a slave, enslaved by Babylon. So Daniel saw his nation as a child. He saw his nation destroyed by another nation. And they weren't a righteous nation. So he saw people killed. He saw his family killed. He saw his people totally torn down and degraded he saw absolute injustice and horrific things happen and now he's in captivity and as he's reading the scriptures he realizes that god is going to restore jerusalem and that jerusalem fell because of their own sins how many of you know that daniel it wasn't his fault that he got taken into captivity right was it Daniel's fault? You got this little 10-year-old kid or whatever age he was, his parents are killed, his people are killed, his friends don't all make it, his whole nation gets taken into captivity. He grows up, he's very wise, he loves the Lord, but how many of you know he wasn't like personally, he didn't personally go and say, I curse you, God. In fact, we know that Daniel is a righteous man, beloved of God, and this is how that man prays over Jerusalem as he is a recipient of the very negative things that his forefathers have done. Are you guys with me? All right, so catch this. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make a request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and I made confession and I said, O oh Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed in- iniquity. We have have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Isn't that an interesting way to start praying? Did you catch that? We have sinned. What was Daniel's sin that got him into captivity? What was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's sin? You see, he was a victim of the sins of the fathers. He was a victim of being a part of a nation that on a national level had turned away from God. But when he goes before God, he doesn't say, God, have mercy on me because I have been righteous and I have nothing to do with that craziness. God, I'm not like all those people. I'm not like those proud, arrogant, stiff-necked jerk faces that turned away. God, have mercy on me according to your promises. No, he said, God, we, we have sinned. We have turned away. Because you know what? Daniel understood he didn't give birth to himself. He didn't come from his own thoughts and ideas. He's not an independent player. He's not above the nation of which he's a part. He is part. And so therefore, as he intercedes, he says, God, we, we have done this. Just like Christ. You see how Christ did that? Christ came in and said, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There isn't one righteous, no, not one. There's only one way that I'm going to be able to win all of mankind back. I'm going to have to come in and identify with what they've gone through. I'm going to have to come in and actually be identified as the sin of all nations in order to redeem all nations. Anyone that will choose me. Are you guys tracking? So he continues. Daniel now is continuing in that same posture. Daniel is saying, I'm not above the fray. I'm not outside of the family of which I'm a part. I'm not outside of the history of the people of God. I'm not outside of the history of the nation of which I'm a part. And therefore, from that place of being a part of mankind, being a part of this history, I am identifying with God, and I am identifying with the people of whom I'm a part. And he says, neither, we, neither have we, Heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O oh Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face. As it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you've driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they've committed against you. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. See, when we intercede, when we come to dad on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of our nation on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of our forefathers and foremothers, on behalf of our history, we don't come and say, let me present to you how I'm so much further evolved than all the knuckleheads behind me, God. Thank you that I'm not like them. No, we come and we say, God, we have sinned against you. We're coming from somewhere. I may not have done that particular sin, But my daddy and my daddy's daddy and my daddy's daddy's daddy, that's where I came from. And so when I come before you, I don't come based on being a a carrier of only righteousness, though there have been righteous things in the mix too. But when I come, I come on behalf of humbling myself just like Christ did and identifying with that I did come from somewhere. And so when I repent, I don't repent just on someone else's behalf. I repent on our behalf before God. See, the position is very much different. And Daniel, he demonstrates this beautifully. And he says, not because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. When we come before dad, we don't come to say, we've been good enough that you should bless us. We say, you're so good, we're asking that you would bless us. You're so good that we want to be more like you. We aren't where we started in the garden, but we're not yet having the full kingdom come yet either. Is that fair? Lord, we're, we're not where we were but, were, but we're not where we want to be yet either. So when we intercede, we, we take into context the fullness of what Christ is actually redeeming. We don't just stop short and say, yeah, well, that's ancient history. That's ancient history. Why should, I have to, why should I have to come before the Lord and say, God, forgive us for these sins? That was 70 years ago, Lord. See, Daniel is coming right on the cusp of Jerusalem being redeemed by God after being in captivity for 70 years. And he's repenting and saying, oh, Lord, I see what you're about to do. But he doesn't say, thank you, God, that I wasn't like all those chuckleheads for all those years before. You see, we've got to come in and identify with what's going on and where we came from. Are you guys with me? And this is part of intercession. Jesus was willing to do that with us all the way from Adam until eternity. It says, in Christ, we all died and we were all born again. In Christ, God was reconciling the earth, even from the foundations of the world. Why? Because there was actually injustice going on. So when we come and pray, it's okay for us to identify that everything isn't just roses and cherries, that everybody before us was really naughty, but we're really, really good. So why should we have to? Why should we have to identify with things that we may have not specifically chosen? Well, Daniel could make the same case, but he doesn't. He says, we have sinned. We're called to do the same in identifying with the realities of generational sin. Identifying with and repenting first person as well as on behalf of the things we're asking God to heal. We are all victims and beneficiaries of sin. Did you catch that? We're all victims and beneficiaries. Sin stacks the deck. Is it hard for us to understand or to perceive that sin stacks the deck? That some people are in a better position than other people because of sin? How long ago was it that women started to be able to vote? Does anybody remember? When, 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 did, when did ladies get to start voting? Anybody here remember? 19 what? 19 something. <laughs> Bottom line is it was within 100 years, Right? I mean, now we look, that's ancient history. I'm not like those chuckleheads that don't let ladies vote. That's ancient history. It's not that ancient. It's not that ancient. So for quite some time, men were the beneficiary of how much Satan hates women. Because Jesus was going to come through a woman. God told Satan, her seed is going to crush your head. And that day, Satan was like, I got my eye on you and all your daughters. And we see that through history. God is destroying the works of the devil. But how many of you know that just in, up until a little over 100 years ago, ladies couldn't vote? It's, it's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? But are we going to say that the deck wasn't stacked against ladies for quite some time? And are we going to say that there aren't still victims and beneficiaries of where we are in history As we are seeing God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth. You see, there's a progression that we go from strength to strength and glory to glory. But we can't, we can't pretend like there we go. Come on, 1919. That's even less. That's not even 100 years ago, according to my math. That's right, right, (laughs) right. So here we are. So here we are. Where we are is seeing God bring the kingdom from strength to strength and glory to glory. It said that the government of peace would be upon Christ's shoulder, and of its increase, there would be no end. What that means is that we're on a a timeline. And in order for us to be wise stewards of the reconciliation ministry of Christ, we do have to identify that we didn't give birth to ourselves, and that we are both victims and beneficiaries of sin. And all of us are are both. All of us are both, okay? Okay. But is that, you're thinking this through, does that sound reasonable to you? So when we come to intercede as ministers of reconciliation, it's all right for us to be able to talk about the effects of sin. It's okay. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, you know what? Our nation has done some extraordinarily good things, and our nation has done some extraordinarily terrible things and some of them in the name of Jesus quoting Jesus while we're doing the opposite of what he teaches. And we're and that's that's a real part of our that's a real part of our of our history. I don't know if you guys remember at one point I quoted from a from a pro slavery preacher one time and I read his rationale as he used scripture to defend enslaving his own brothers. It was horrific. How many of you guys remember that? A couple of you Thank you. Thank you for that. It's horrific, but here's the thing. It wasn't that long ago. So it's okay for us then in this time and place to say, Father, we need you to give us the grace, the humility, and the love to do whatever it takes. As we have our tiny moment in history, our 80 plus years to engage in seeing your kingdom go from strength to strength and glory to glory. And that doesn't happen by trying to separate ourselves from the effects of sin wherever they may be and however, that, however those cards fell. Does that seem reasonable? So we repent and we redeem on behalf of ourselves and people who aren't even repenting yet. See, we are the people of God. We are called to intercede for our nation, for the whole world, for our cities, for our families. But this is what we're called to do. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation and a ministry of intercession. We're called to do it the same way Jesus did. We're called to identify. We're called to Go along with. And so now let me give you some some, uh, some more scriptures here. I want to I want to I want to unpack a little bit about what we're called to do as Christians. What could that look like? And and where do we engage? How do we engage? Beloved saints, sons and daughters of God, you are ministers of reconciliation. You know, I love the I love the story of Joshua when they're getting ready to go into Jericho, and the angel of the Lord appears to Joshua. And Joshua looks at the angel of the Lord and the stallion that he is. He looks at him and he says, are you for us or are you against us? And the angel of the Lord says, neither. I'm the, arm, I'm the commander of the armies of the living God. Now, at its face, you just think, well, that's a weird thing to say. Because do you realize that the angel of the Lord, the commander of the armies of the living God, was there to knock, to knock the walls down in Jericho in a few days? He was there to fight for Israels on their behalf. But when Joshua asked him, are you for us or against us? He goes, neither. I don't take my orders from you. I'm not aligning with your particular party right now. I'm the army. I'm the commander of the armies of the living God. I'm above your national politics. We as believers are citizens of the kingdom of heaven before national politics. We are not Democrats. We are not Republicans. We may align ourselves for certain purposes with a party for a certain reason during a certain time. But that is not our identity. And that is not our primary allegiance. Nor should it ever be. Our parties. Should serve us, and a good party doesn't last too long. So that was a that was free. So it's important for us that in the midst of this politicized environment, that we understand that when somebody says, "Are you for this or are you against this," you do have to thoughtfully. And with extraordinary humility, ask God and research and trust but verify. And then verify again to see how you would vote, how you should vote, who you should align with at a season, during a time, based on what's going on, based on many different things. And we are called to do that. But we do that secondarily after we understand that we are sons and daughters of God, ministers of reconciliation. To stand before him for how we acted, whether we were for or against a smaller area. It has to flow out of who we are as sons and and daughters of God. Does that make sense? So when we pray, when we love, when we move, when we do these things, when we serve, when we share, we must share from that place primarily. Or else we will find that God takes a second place to our party a second place to our particular initiative and that can never be because what it does is it begins actually to violate the very thing where we started out with righteous intentions and and then what ends up happening is those things become subjugated underneath of something else we cannot do that we must be like the angel and say neither I'm a son and a daughter of God now, right now in this time and place, I feel like this is the best way to get this done. That's why I'm doing this. But if you're asking me if I'm, a, if I'm a lifetime whatever, the only lifetime whatever that I am truly lifetime whatever is I'm a son or a daughter of God. And so we see this in Ezekiel again. This is another prayer from that place as sons and daughters of God. And, and God is beginning to speak to the nation. And this is a, pe- a repentance prayer. And this is what's happening at this time in Jerusalem. It says, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and the needy. And they wrongfully oppress the stranger. In our day and age, we call them now either immigrants or minorities. But that's what that word is, the stranger. They're from a strange land. And so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one, and therefore I've poured out my indignation on them, and I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I've recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. So God speaks to us in this, through this here, what he's dealt with with Jerusalem. They, he, he gave them a covenant and said, if you violate the covenant, here's what's going to happen. And they violated the covenant. Now, we know that we live in a different season right now where God is saying, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. So we live in this great and glorious time where God came to save the world. And Christ in us is saying, be reconciled. Be reconciled. So God isn't bringing down judgment upon America the way that he dealt with Jerusalem at that time. I'm not trying to get you out of the epic season that we're in. But I do want us to understand and see that God gives us the principle that when we're in the land, he's given us the power to intercede on behalf of the nation. He's looking for men and women who will intercede on behalf of their nation. Not to hold God back from bringing down fire on the nation, but that we would defeat the enemy. That we would destroy the works of the devil. Because there are seeds being sown right now. And God doesn't want us to be reaping the seeds that are being sown that aren't the good ones. You see, when we intercede, we're just like Daniel was praying, Lord, don't answer us according to our righteous deeds. Don't answer us according to our deeds, God. That's the last thing that we need. There's too much bad seed in the mix. Answer us according to the seed which you prophesied to Eve in the garden, whose name is Jesus Christ, through whom all the world is saved. Answer us according to the seed of Christ, God. Have mercy on us. I know that your desire is none should perish, but all should receive everlasting life. This is the intercession. This is what we're called to. So when we stand in the gap, we're not accusing wicked men to God. Jesus on the cross didn't accuse them. He didn't accuse them and say, God, pay them back for what they've done. No, he said, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. We're all about reconciliation, guys. We're all about taking the hit. We're all about finding a way. We're all about going into the impossible situations. And when people say, are you a liberal or are you a conservative? We say, in this regard, neither. When it comes to reconciliation, neither. When it comes to seeing people reconcile to God, neither. I am here to see Christ formed in everyone that will have him. I'm here to see sons and daughters reconciled back to God. And I won't allow any other affiliation to become the label that you see me as first. Is that fair? This is what we're called to be. So in this situation, we're interceding from that place. Now, Acts. You know how everybody... I don't know how many times you guys hear this, but I hear it a lot where people are like, man, we got to get back to the early church. We got to get back to how it was in the early church because that's how church was done. That's the model. And so let's just start there. Now in these days, this is the early church. When the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and they said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, These are some great names. Nicanor. Timon. I didn't realize Timon and Pumbaa. Timon. Okay. Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And then check this out. And then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I want you to catch something here. During the time of the first church, within the church... They had to deal head on with culture problems. In the very beginning, they had to deal with culture problems. And there was prejudice amongst the new believers. Christ was still being formed in them. And what ended up happening is in the daily distribution, as it says here, in the daily distribution, the Hellenists were getting less than the Hebrews. And the church could say, guys, we're all one in Christ. This is ancient history. I know you feel like you're getting less, but I think you're just conditioned to see it that way. I know it feels like, because where we came from, you're, you have less opportunities and you're at a disadvantage, but you just feel that way, that's in your head, that's craziness. What you need to do is just get over it. That's ancient history. But instead, they, 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 they took it head on, and they found some men who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they put them in charge of figuring out how to hear the need amongst the body and to make sure that actual righteousness was happening. Are you guys seeing this? Now, I know that right now, and I can feel <laughs> the, the pressure coming from you right now. Where are you going with this, Joshua? Joshua. You're going to start throwing down some rhetoric. No, I am not. I am not here to use rhetoric. I am not here to label people. Labeling people dehumanizes them and allows me to write them off as part of a cause, part of a movement, something less than human, something less than me having to respond to. And I'm not doing that. I, like you, am part of the family of God. I'm a minister of reconciliation. So no, I'm not going to use any rhetoric. I'm not going to align myself with slogans that we're hearing and with the manipulations of many people who have not yet met Christ and understand how this works or those who have met Christ and are still in process. So don't worry. Take a breath. But I am saying this. We're called to run towards the fire. We run towards the problem. We run towards the places that are broken. We are the ministers of reconciliation. And our nation has some fires right now. And the fires are able to burn because there's a vacuum in places where we need more ministers of reconciliation. And in this moment, the church did a good job. There was an issue. There was a culture issue. And they took it head on. And they started working towards the problem. They identified, hey, the Hellenists are getting less food. We need, to, we need to work on this distribution. We need to make sure they have the same access that we have. We didn't realize that until you brought it to us, Hellenists, that you didn't have the same access that we have. And so we're going to deal with that. And I love the outcome. The word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Now I have to go really fast because we have to pray, and I just preached through a whole bunch of good stuff. James 1, 19 through 20 says this, So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If we could just get this as a nation... We could we could shorten our political seasons all the way back to like six weeks again. And listen to the follow-up. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's a say-law. If anyone amongst you amongst you, if anyone among you thinks he's religious, this one makes me shudder, and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Visit orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. We are to be slow, we are to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We have an entire nation right now that has been electing people based on the wrath of man for quite some time now. What are we going to do, sons and daughters of God? Where do we engage? We have horrific things happening in our nation right now because the wrath of man has flared up. And and I'm not going to try to oversimplify this because you know what? It's very complicated. And we do great damage when we try to answer complicated issues with simple, little, one-dimensional answers. When we try to make a multifaceted issue into a one-facet issue, we're just not listening anymore. God didn't say we had to make everything simple. He said we had to love everybody, no matter how complicated it gets. I'm paraphrasing, but that is the truth. Did you see the list of what, if you want to see whether or not Love handles complicated things. Look at First Corinthians 13. It handles every facet that you've got to answer. Hopes all things, believes all things, isn't easily offended, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It just covers everything. just covers everything. That's where we go to answer questions. That's what we're willing to go through to answer the questions. And so here we are. Here we are as a nation. And I promised you we we're going to pray, so we are going to pray. But we as a nation right now, there are those that are in the body of Christ. And and I've talked to several brothers in the Lord. And they're saying, I have pain. They're saying, I have a different distribution that comes to me in this nation that we both love. But I'm having a different experience than you. And the question for us is, will we be swift to listen? It's, we're not going to have a quick answer to just say, oh, well, this is this and that is that, and that's why you should be over it. No, we have a shared history that has sin in it. We have a shared history that has injustice in it. And the cards fell, and they're stacked in certain ways. Can we as the body of Christ just say, wow, that could be true. Yeah, that could actually be true. True. Women didn't vote till 1919 because of the way the cards fell while sin was running the show. Could it be that a nation that enslaved black people, that the cards fell in a way that it's not even yet? Could it be that there's actually still some systemic things that we as the church are called to engage with? And I'm not simplifying. This is complicated. But could it at least be true? When we were in Azusa, there was a phenomenal man of God who stood up, a, a, a black brother. And he'd had a vision several times. He had the same vision. He kept seeing a white bag with, with black handles or a black bag with white handles. And he, and he kept seeing it. And finally, he asked the Lord, Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, the church has racial black and white baggage. And until you get rid of your baggage, you can't move forward. And then he gave the most succinct, powerful message that I've heard in my own life, at least first person. And the essence of it was, I can't do it justice, but the essence was it was, he turned to his own brothers and he said, My brothers, my black American brothers, I'm speaking to you to say, we have to do the scriptures. We have to extend and go the second mile. We have to hear and believe that the gospel actually works. We have to not see everything through the eyes of race. And we have to be willing to take these steps. And we can't just be angry. And then he turned and he said, and for you here that are my white American brothers, I'm not supporting, and he said this, I'm not saying, I don't support this this, this Black Lives Matter movement, this was before all these killings broke out. This was at Azusa where we prayed for, uh, what was it? How long did we pray, Susan? It was like, we got there in the morning, we left at 11 at night. I think it was like, we all showed up at 7 a.m., started praying outside the stadium, stayed all day long, and prayed until 11 at night. Worshiping and praying. And he said this, he said, so this was before all these things broke out, but he said, listen, when you're hearing your black brothers in Christ, in Christ, may say a phrase, and I want to be really clear, I'm not endorsing what this is, okay, this one. we're not endorsing any of this, of what's happening right now in the name of, of, of justice, it's horrific, that's why we're praying, okay, we're sons and daughters talking in the living room about how to engage. This is what my brother said, when you hear one of your brothers in Christ Saying a phrase that Black Lives Matter, what they're saying is, I feel pain. I feel like the message is that when a black person dies, it doesn't make it on the news. There's got to be several. I'm saying that I feel like the cards have fallen in a certain way, to paraphrase, and no one sees it. I have pain. Will you listen? to what I'm going through. Would Would you take a moment to maybe believe that I do actually have a different experience than you? That maybe it's not just in my head. Maybe it's not just conditioning. Could it be possible that people do actually look at me differently? That there are some obstacles that I have to overcome before I have access to some of the things that you get to feel right away? I just talked to a brother this week. His son was on a trip this last week on the bus. He's a, he's a black American as well. And, his, and this guy on the bus said to him last week, well, you you probably know how to, you probably know how to jack a car. You're black. This dude grew up here in Oregon. He's, that's ridiculous, a ridiculous thing to say. When was the last time that you had somebody say, like, you probably know how to steal a car, you whitey? You've never had. I mean, maybe somebody here has. I don't want to deny you your pain if you have that. But I'm just saying, there, could it be that there's real things happening here? And the point is, let's not get sucked into the rhetoric, and into the political side of things that pits brother against brother. Because the enemy is in that camp. The enemy is the one that comes to kill and steal and destroy. He's the divider. He's the accuser of the brethren. We can answer and say, Lord. There are some of our brothers that are saying that during the distribution of blessings, they're getting less right now, and they don't feel like anybody will even take it serious. Now, hate-filled wrath people are killing some people, but that's not the majority. That's a tiny little minority. And And as you're looking on YouTube, there are some beautiful pictures of believers, black and white, coming together right now saying, this what's going on is not the kingdom of heaven and praying together. There's phenomenal things happening. Don't let just the bad news color this. But I am saying that right now, we, Christ Center, Junction City, Oregon, in 2016, for the few short years that we have on this earth, how will we respond? I said we were going to be able to interface, but we can't because I used all the time preaching. But I want us to pray this prayer together. I love this prayer. I have, look at all these good scriptures you're missing out on. I love this prayer. I'm gonna just read it to you first, and then I want us to stand and pray this together. But but my 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 question for all of us is simply this. Are we willing to rise above the current level of how people are seeing? The Bible, remember when Paul's talking to the Christians and he says, There's still strife and fighting and quarreling among you. You're acting like mere men. Can we rise above being mere men? And be sons and daughters and say, God, we will engage. And we will first and foremost love like you love. Christ, you died. You identified with injustice and took the payment. You paid the price to make, that, make it work out. So we got to get in the mix. Whether it's no matter what level it is, we're, we're to get in the mix on a personal level. Secondly, listen. Are you guys willing to listen? Are you willing to just, when your brother comes to you, I had a very uncomfortable meeting this week in preparation for this with a black American, and I hated hearing what he had to say. I hated it. It was extraordinarily uncomfortable. And the things that he was saying were very offensive to me. But when I had time to think about it, you know, and he with tears was saying, I know you don't even believe what I'm telling you right now. I know that you don't. And we had a very frank conversation, and I said, it's just so hard for me to imagine this. And I don't have time to to go into the details, but the point was, this is a brother that I respect. This is a brother that's an an elder in a a different church. This is a brother that loves the Lord, a kind, generous man who, I'm not going to identify him, but gives his life away in ways and levels that I'm not even at. And I'm a pastor at Christ Center. So this is a beautiful man who's having a completely different experience in this nation, which is on a continuum, coming from somewhere and moving towards something. And he's asking us, he's asking me, would you engage with me as a fellow believer? Would you engage with me and ask God to heal our land? But would you be willing to just see this? Could you just see this? Could you just believe for a moment that I'm not lying to you, that I didn't just make this up? And to tell you the truth, it was really hard for me. Because in this particular situation, there are aspects where, bar none, from the finish line, the cards fell where I do have a couple different opportunities that I don't have to get through. I have a couple barriers I don't have to get through that he actually does. And I can't argue with that. It's not my fault. It's not in my heart to do that. And, and And he can overcome them. He has overcome them. But I don't like that fact. Do you like that fact? But is it okay to say that in sin, the cards fall and we are all victims and beneficiaries in different ways? And how are we, as the body of Christ, going to respond? We're going to pray. I love this prayer. Gracious God, our sins, remember, we're praying, identifying with where we've come from. Our sins are too heavy to carry. They're too real to hide. And they're too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name. What our hearts can no longer bear. And what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change open to us a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen? We're going to take communion today. It is so late. Oh, my goodness. You know what? We can't take communion today. I need to let you go get your kids we can't do this to the children's ministries. Would you stand? Let's pray this together, and I'll dismiss you. We were going to have a special song from Art today. I'm, you know what, Art? Come up anyway, though. You guys come up anyway, and while we're leaving, you guys serenade us, okay? Because you got to hear Art play the sax. He's just gifted. And besides, it's amazing grace, and it just feels right. Lord, bless us. But let's pray this prayer together. Does this resonate with you? Yes, yes. Have I made you mad? Because no. I'm not... I'm not trying to be cute up here. I'm asking for us to live the scriptures. I'm asking for us to hear and to be a part of healing. Amen? All right, let's pray this together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear. And what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer... The servant team is prayer servant team is coming to the front. May the Lord bless you.